I can't wait until that day when we're going to behold Him. I was reading this last week about a ship. Kind of goes along with Burton's theme this morning in the Sabbath school. Except this ship was a little bit larger than Burton's. The anchors on the ship, there was three anchors on the ship, and each anchor weighed more than 10 tons. The ship itself weighed 46,328 tons. Big ship. Had an experienced crew of 400 sailors who had sailed the ocean many, many times in different types of weather. Hotel staff of 518 could carry 2,433 passengers. This ship had a complete gymnasium, a heated pool, a squash deck, and a miniature golf course, all below deck. A lot of passengers were on this ship, including the man who actually was the architect that built the ship itself. It was known as the unsinkable ship. You know what ship I'm talking about? The Titanic. Struck an iceberg, ripping a 300-foot hole through five of its 16 airtight compartments, and it sank in two and a half hours, killing 1,513 people. Why did so many die? One of the reasons was because the experienced crew disregarded the danger of the reports of the icebergs in the area. This was the unsinkable ship. So what if we get close to one or even scrape up against one? Nothing could happen to us. There were not enough lifeboats on board, but who needed all those lifeboats? Because it wouldn't sink. They just did it because it was government regulations. The radio operator on a nearby ship who could have, that ship could have gotten there in time to have saved more people, didn't hear the cries for help. He uh, just happened to be away from, stepped away from the radio for a while. Got to thinking about that. You know, they were all confident that that ship would make it from point A to point B. And nothing would ever happen. Sometimes we get overconfident in things. We think it'll never happen to us. We're aboard His Majesty's ship, the Beaumont Seventh-day Adventist Church. But we aren't any better than the crew and passengers of the Titanic. Many who have been experienced Seventh-day Adventists think they know enough of the Bible teachings that they could never be in a situation to ever be destroyed or to lose their gift of eternal life. Some of the passengers aboard this church, they come to church each week, they sit back and they feel safe because they're part 
of what they believe is the remnant of God's people in the last days. We don't have to worry. The pastor will warn us when it's time to leave. We don't have enough lifeboats of teachers who desire to teach the plain truth about righteousness by faith to our children or even to the adults or to the visitors that come to our our ship, our church. The icebergs of the signs of the times are all around us, but we seem to care very little about it. Very few spiritual radio operators are listening to the distress signals that are being sent out every day over the air saying, we're coming to the end of this earth. Beware. Be careful. Warning. Okay, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, as Seventh-day Adventists, we know we're living at the end of time, don't we? I mean, you don't even have to be a Seventh-day Adventist. There are a lot of people who are looking and saying, something's happening. Well, I just got word this week, they're having meetings in Denver. David Asherick is having meetings in Denver. This is his third week, and they have been overflowing with people coming to listen. They're getting ready for some meetings in Atlanta, Georgia, and it looks like the place is going to be so packed that uh, they don't know if they're going to have to have two meetings or what's going to take place. And we're going to have our meetings coming up in September, on September the 5th. People outside of the world are saying something is going to happen and we need to find out what's taking place. But maybe not all of us are aware how dangerous times are as well right now. We're so overconfident that we know everything that we need to know that we don't realize that we could sink very quickly. I want you to take a look at Second Peter, if you would. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. We want to look at verses 3 and 4. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Some people are actually saying, and I've heard it in, in, even in this church, you know, Pastor, they've been saying all along that uh, Jesus is going to come soon, and they've been saying it for generation after generation, and uh, I've heard it preached all my life, and I just don't think it's going to be in my lifetime. Well, they're fulfilling prophecy if they don't know it. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So we have some within our own church that are fulfilling prophecy that are there who are saying, It's not going to come. It's like the ones that said to the Titanic, It's not going to sink. It's never happened. But we know that it's coming. The world knows it's coming. Just by the very fact they're saying preachers have been preaching the second coming for years and it hasn't happened yet is fulfilling the very prophecy of these words right here that we just read. But there are those in the church members who feel overconfident 
And they're willing to tread on dangerous territory, the devil's territory. The thinking is, oh, I am so well grounded in the Bible truth that I can go and get as close to the devil to listen to see what's going on and it won't affect me. It's like saying, I'm going to take the Titanic and I'm going to steer the Titanic as close to the iceberg as I can and even scrape up against it and it won't hurt me. I want to look at something for a moment. Susan read from Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3, that the book of Revelation was written for whom? For us, living when? At the end of time. Who gave those words? Was it John? John wrote them down, but where did the words come from? Came from the angel who got them from? Who got them from Jesus directly. So it's his words that are recorded. Don't you think Jesus knows what he's talking about? I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Since he is, he is our, our God, that he knows what's going to take place. So it's written for us. It's a special message that comes directly from Jesus to John. He's written it down and it comes written down for us. So since this is the direct pipeline from heaven, you would think that we should take the words very seriously. Don't you think so? Well, turn the Bible now to the book of Revelation and let's let Jesus speak to us from his own words. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Revelation 12 and verse 17. Now, we as Seventh-day Adventists quote this text, but we don't take it to heart. Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon, who's the dragon? Satan. Was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The, the dragon is Satan himself, According to Jeremiah, a woman in Bible prophecy is the church. So he's out to make war. He's angry. He's angry with the church, with God's church. He makes war with whom? The remnant of the seed of the church. And the identifying trait of the remnant are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith and the testimony of Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. Do you keep the commandments of God? Boy, it's silent in here. Working on it. The testimony of Jesus, Revelation 1, verse 2. Let's go back to it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 2. Here's John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. The testimony of Jesus are the words, the warning words of the book of Revelation. They are written to be able to warn us what's about to take place. 
John was one of the disciples of Christ, and he heard and he witnessed the teachings and the ministry and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he got the words that came from heaven down, and he was to write them down. And so the testimony is the words and the teachings and the experience of Christ and the warnings of Christ. Now go to Revelation 14. Revelation 14 and verse 12. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The testimony is identified or, or can be traced to us by our faith. We need to have our faith in Jesus Christ. Go to Revelation chapter 19 now. Revelation 19 and verse 10. Revelation 19, verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. That was the angel. John fell at the angel's feet. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of, of the spirit of prophecy is given by Jesus Christ. He's telling us, he's warning us what's going to take place. He wants us to be aware. So let me ask you another question. Do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I hope so. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the prophecies that are given in the Bible? Do you believe in the prophets that God has given to us to give us warning? Do you realize that he's speaking directly to us and that he's giving us all of this that's going to take place so that it will help us get through what is called the time of the end? Because we believe all these things, Satan is angry and he's out to make war with you and me. He's out to get you. And how's he going to do that? That's right. He's going to attack the commandments that you keep. He's going to shake up your belief in the gospel. He's going to attack your faith. And he's going to make you doubt the very words that the prophets have spoken to give to us. He's going to try to shake you right down to the core. That is his job. That's what he's going to do. Now how's he going to do that? I've had people that have told me, says this is never going to happen to me because I have been raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I have the teachings of the church embedded in my mind and I will never allow Satan to attack me. That's the big problem. Because I'm stepping out in the world overconfident that I know what's going to happen and that I'll see it happening right before my eyes and I can back away and I'll be safe. It won't work. 
Look at what Jesus says again in the book of Revelation. Now, you do believe in prophecy, right? Okay. You do believe in the teachings of Jesus, don't you? And you do have faith that Jesus knows what he's talking about, right? Take a look at Revelation chapter 13 now. Revelation 13, beginning with verse 11. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in the presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Okay, he's going to do something that is going to deceive those living on this earth. Let me ask you, do you live on this earth? And he's angry at who? He's angry at us. So who is he going to try to deceive? Us. Now, I'm not going to take time this morning to identify the beast. If you want to know about more about the beast, you come to the meeting starting in September. But I want you to look at the following. He does great signs and wonders. He performs miracles and causes fire to come down out of heaven. And by the means of these miracles, he is going to deceive others who live on this earth. Do the words great wonders and miracles, does that ring a bell? Did Jesus ever use those terms before when he was talking to his disciples? Take a look at Mark chapter 13. The Gospel of Mark chapter 13 and verse 22. Mark 13 and verse 22. Jesus is speaking. Mine's written in red. Look what he says. Mark 13, verse 22. Let's start with verse 21. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, whom? The very elect. Who is the very elect? That's us. That's his remnant. That's his church. That's his people. He's going to use these great signs and these great wonders to shake up your belief in the true words of Christ, if at all possible, to deceive you and to destroy your faith, your belief, your teachings, everything about you. Brothers and sisters, this is serious stuff that Jesus is saying that is going to happen before he comes. This is a direct attack upon us, the elect of God, the followers of God, those that keep the commandments of God, those that have the faith and the testimony of Jesus. He's going to attack 
directly to us and is to destroy us. And he's warning us this because he's saying that these great signs and these great wonders are so great that many of us are going to be deceived if we don't study. The devil himself is going to attack you. So when we get so cocky that we think that we know the scriptures, that we know the truth well enough that we can stand up against everything that the devil dishes out, Jesus says, you're at risk. When we go and stand on the devil's territory, he's going to do some great things that's going to shake your beliefs and your faith. What do I mean by standing on the devil's territory? When I go on the internet and I start getting up all this thing that are taking place in the world today, and that's where my focus of attention is upon. I'm going to see where the beast is and what he's doing and what he's saying now. I'm going to see what's being taught in the churches. I'm going to see the garbage that's going on in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm going to be really educated on all these things. I'm going to listen to all these people that are going to say all these bad things about our denomination. I'm going to listen to all these things that people are saying that has happened in the world. Brothers and sisters, I get probably 20, 30 emails that comes in every week that comes in and tells me exactly what the Pope's doing, where he's going, and how many times he scratches his nose. And then they say, see, this is what's taking place. When you spend all your time on the devil's territory, you are going to be deceived. When I spend all my time seeing what's wrong with my denomination, to see what's wrong with my church, I'm going to be deceived. It's not what's wrong with the church, it's what's right with Jesus Christ. And my focus has to be on Jesus Christ. Or I will be deceived by the devil himself. Take a look at John. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm worn out. You try working with the kids all week this week, like some of us did, and then preach a sermon like this and see if you're not worn out. John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus speaking again. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in the garbage of the devil and the Pope and the Catholic Church and any other church and the garbage of this is abiding in me. Is that what he said? No. No. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Do you see where my focus of attention has to be on in the last days? is not the garbage of the world, but the truth in Jesus Christ. The focus has to be on Jesus Christ. There's danger of running ahead of Jesus. The Bible says, lean not on thine own understanding. That means when I think I'm safe to tread on the devil's territory, I'm leaning on my own understanding and, I, and, and my own strength, 
And I can't do it because I cannot face the devil head on. We have to cultivate an abiding sense of our first, our own inefficiency and helplessness and learn how to lean solely on Jesus Christ. It's the only way I'm going to be able to make it through those days. So that's where we come to the ladder of success. You want me to keep going? I can stop if you want to go eat. I was reading John, one of John Pauline's books. And uh, he says, you know, sometimes I get a little cocky being a professor and I think that I know it all. And he says that's where he had to learn the ladder of success. The first rung of the ladder is where I am. Here's all the knowledge that I have about the Bible and have been raised up in the church and the studies that I've gone through and everything else. And so I'm not a dumb person in the world. You're not dumb. Do you know that you as a Seventh-day Adventist probably know more of the Bible than, in, than most all denominations, people in other denominations? So you're pretty smart. So we're on the first rung. This is, this is what we know. The next rung of the ladder is what all the people know in the United States. All the PhDs, physicists, doctors, scientists, it's their knowledge. Now when you use you look at their knowledge, it's far above what my knowledge is. I don't know everything. Man, there's things in science that people know that just blows my mind. Take quantum physics. That, that blows me away when I hear somebody talking about quantum physics. Yet there's somebody who knows about it. And that's the people of the United States. But you know, even all the scientists in the United States and everyone, they don't know everything. Man, you got scientists in the world in the next rung. Everybody in the world, all the knowledge of the world, all the books ever written, all the things about the world that has ever been discussed, planned, scheduled, looked at, tested, and everything else is just unbelievable. The knowledge of this world over all these centuries. It's just amazing, you know, what they can do now with... with uh, all these cells and cloning and everything else, it's just, it blows you away, the knowledge that they have. But then you take that, the next rung on the ladder is, is all the people that God has ever created in all universes throughout this vast space that just goes on and on and on forever. I don't know how much that is, but I got a hunch that those people there use more brains than we have because all of our brains are all tainted with sin. So their knowledge is just unbelievable, far greater than what my mind is capable of understanding and knowing. And then we go up here and we think of, of the angels that God created and, and the knowledge, I ran out of rungs on my ladder, the knowledge that these angels have, including Satan himself. Remember, he was created as an angel. He had one of the highest positions an angel could ever have in, in heaven. He was a covering cherub. He could do things that is just unbelievable. And he's way up there in knowledge, far greater than what I am down here. And I think that I can tackle him 
And I think that I can know what He's going to do because I have a knowledge in my sinful mind about Bible and that's it. And I can walk on His territory. He can do things I could never ever think of doing. And I think I can, I can watch and know when He's going to make His move to get me. He's out to deceive the very elect. He's out to destroy the remnant of the church. He's angry with the church. And He's going to use signs and wonders that is just going to blow us away. And I don't have a chance against him. I mean, all it took was when Jesus was, was in his tomb and, the, and they had it sealed and this big rock placed over the tomb and, and had all these Roman soldiers with all their weapons, these trained individuals, that their order was to, to guard that tomb and don't let anyone in and don't let anyone out. And one good angel comes down, sits on the rock, and those guys just, boom, just fall down like dead men to the ground. No power against one good angel. And I think I have enough biblical knowledge to stand up against one evil angel, let alone one evil angel, one-third of the evil angels that were cast out of heaven. You think I could stand up against them? There's no way. Their knowledge is far greater than my knowledge down here. But there is one that is greater than the devil himself. And it's Christ in me. I can do nothing without Christ. He is the only one that can defeat the devil. That means my focus of attention has to get off of the garbage and get on to Jesus Christ. That has to be the focus of my attention in the last days. I not only have to, to keep my focus on attention upon Jesus Christ, but I am to share Jesus Christ with others. If I am not willing to share Jesus Christ with others, I am treading back on the devil's ground. Because when I share Jesus, my faith in Him increases. We read that when Jesus said, If they say unto you, Behold, He, these false Christ is in the desert, don't go. He's in the secret chambers. Don't believe it. In other words, stay away from the temptation to peek at what the devil's trying to do. We already got enough garbage in this world. We need Jesus Christ. There are tapes that go out that says all the bad. There are sermons that go over the internet that says all the bad. There are bad camp meetings that are supposed to come in and preach Jesus Christ and they preach everything so negative that you walk away so heavy, you wonder, is anyone going to be able to make it through? All these people are treading on the devil's territory and some think it's their mission to reveal the devil's scheme in the world and in the church and we're commissioned by God to share the everlasting gospel, not the everlasting garbage. We're walking in dangerous territory and our 
our, our faith and our beliefs and our convictions are going to be shaken to the core unless we begin to focus on Jesus Christ, to spend time sharing the everlasting gospel, to spend time in the gospel itself, to stay away from the things, the peoples, the books, the videos, the internets, the sights, the sounds, the feed-only error, and of those things that distracts us and keeps us from our relationship with Jesus. I know some people in the churches spend more time reading the garbage that they don't read the Bible. And then they say, I've got the strength and I know what to do. I guess that's why in the book of Revelation, many times, remember this comes from heaven, many times Jesus is saying to us, He who has an ear, let him hear the words of this prophecy. It's about time we start listening to Jesus and quit listening to the garbage. The one who's really going to take care of me is Jesus Christ. And I don't have to worry about what the devil does. He can throw all his signs and wonders that he wants. I'm not even going to watch. I'm going to keep my focus every day on Jesus Christ. And he's going to take care of me. Do you believe that? Then stand with me and let's sing together hymn number 99. God will take care of me. Number 99.
thank you for the strength, the words, the promises, the power of Jesus. For he's the only one that can defeat the devil within my life. Help me to keep my focus solely upon him and not be distracted with anything else that might come about. It's not what's wrong with the church. It's what's right with the church through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.